You guys did great on that one. We, I don't know if, I, we haven't sung that in like the two years I've been here. All right. We'll do it right there. Great. We're going to continue our series called The Villain. And uh, what are we talking about? If you remember, we, this is part three. First part, we did uh, an intro, one of the longest intros to a sermon that you've heard, and then two short points at the end. But the idea is we're going to look at Bible stories that maybe we've all read in the past, and yet we side with the hero, we ignore the villain, so we don't learn the lessons of the villain, and we are going to try to learn the lessons of the villain. And so here's the two questions that we're going to ask ourselves every, every sermon in this series. We're reading about this villain, this bad guy. Do I recognize any part of my character in this guy? Or do I see him in me? Do, do my character and his character overlap in any way? And sometimes we're just way too quick to say, no, me and him are nothing alike. We need to slow down and we need to ask ourselves that. And then if we find some of us in him or him in us, the question then is, well, what lessons does God want me to learn from this bad guy, from this guy? And so today, we're not going to look at a specific bad guy. We're going to look at a general group of bad guys called the false prophets. And there are lots of false prophets throughout the Old Testament, especially when you read the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and all the minor prophets, Hosea, uh, Amos, they're, they're accompanied sometimes with a contemporary prophet who's doing the opposite work. So the prophet is there to say, this is the word of God, and then there's always like some dude standing next to him that's like, no, 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 that's not the word of God. This is the word of God, and says something else. And the more I started taking this apart, guys, I was like, oh my gosh, we could have an entire series called The False Prophets and just convict us and destroy our, our hearts before the Lord. But we can't do that. We're just going to spend this one, uh, this one lesson on it. But we're going to ask ourselves a question. And that question is a very important question. How am I like a false prophet? And you might be like, I am not like a false prophet. And that's a good thing to say, but hang in there with me, and we're going we're gonna to break that down. There's two main things that we're going to look at, okay? Two main sentences <laughs> that we're going to tear apart. Ready? The first one is, uh, you don't speak for me. This is from God. You don't speak for me. This is the number one issue that a false prophet says. Is they say something is from God when it is not from God. And then the other thing is, you don't know what you're talking about. To God... The, the, the utterances of a false prophet seem silly and foolish and dumb. Like, you have no idea what you're saying. And you're saying it with way more confidence than you should. The main aspect of false prophecy is the first thing, saying something is from God when it is not. And that's what we're going to dig into first, okay? So this goes, this doesn't start with the prophets. This actually starts with the Ten Commandments, and this is, the famous do not use the Lord's name in vain scripture, which they don't really translate it like that in most modern translations now. This is what Exodus 20 verse 7 says. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless 
who misuses his name. This is a commandment that comes with, a, with kind of a serious punishment. Like, hey, if you do this thing, you are going to be in big trouble with God. And so if we translate, if we, if we say, oh, do not use the Lord's name in vain. How many people were raised say, don't say, oh my God, when you don't actually mean like your relationship with God. Because that's, that's taking the Lord's name in vain. Guys, true, okay. Don't use God's name flippantly, but that's not what this is, is, is saying. This is saying don't, don't carry his name. Don't hold up his name as something that is not genuine. And so, if I were to go into battle, if I were to wage war on someone and say, God sent me here to kill all of you, God would be like, nope, I did not. You are misusing my name. And this has happened, you know, throughout history. But, do we carry the Lord's name in an unfit manner? Let's keep going. So in Deuteronomy 18, this is where it talks about a prophet. A prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded. Or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods is to be put to death. Okay, here's where we drill down on like the actual sentence for this crime. God takes false prophecy so serious, he says that that, that person can't go on living. Now, I am not, we're going to try to ask that question, how are we like false prophets? We're going to like not talk about a, a death sentence, okay? You may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? Very simple. If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. So do not be alarmed. Now guys, this actually made national headlines because Christians in the last election were prophesying in the name of the Lord who was going to win. And it put a black eye on a lot of faith groups. Because they were like, okay, is my, is my minister really getting divine revelation about who's going to win the election? And it, this happened on both sides of the political aisle. One more than the other. But people were like, no, I know this is going to happen. God told me this is going to happen. And it made national headlines. <gasps> but look what I just did. I just made it external to me. I just made it about other people, right? Which is what we've been talking about this whole time. We want to internalize it. Not how are other people false prophets. How am I a false prophet? Well, here is a super convicting scripture in Jeremiah 14. Then the Lord said to me, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I have not sent them or appointed them or spoken to them. They are prophesying to you false visions, divinations, idolatries, and the delusions of their own mind. The New Living Translation says, they prophesy of visions and revelations they have never seen or heard. They speak foolishness, made up in their own lying hearts. The Holman Christian Standard Bible says, worthless divination, the deceit of their own minds. Now, when I read this list, I can internalize all of these things. Do I have visions or, or dreams? Yes. We all have dreams. We all have things that we would like to see come true. Do we all have idolatries? Let's be honest. There are all things that we like want to elevate and say, oh, this is, 
This is what I need. This will take care of me. This will fulfill my soul. This is my thing. And idolatry? And do we all have delusions? And you might be like, no, I don't. Do you, have you ever believed something that you, isn't true? Do you, do you have deceit in your heart? Yes! The Bible tells us that the heart is deceitful. We all have visions, delusions, divinations, idolatries, and delusions. And there's times where we want to hold on to that thing, whatever it is, we want to elevate it and say, this is from God. And when we do that, we start to take on the, pro- the, the character traits of a false prophet. When we bring God's name into it and pretend that our desires are God's desires, we act like a false prophet. Jeremiah 23, if you go on and read that, it's funny. People will wake up, prophets would wake up from their sleep and they'd be like, I had a dream, I had a dream. And God says, it was just a dream. And he even tells them later, if you wake up and you had a dream, you could tell people the dream, but don't say it was from me. Your dream is not the word of God. And so, here's, here's how I'm going to boil this down. We can be false prophets when we spiritualize our desires. If I were to say, hey guys, don't be a false prophet, you'd be like, cool, thanks, we can go home now. Everyone is cool that because if you think that prophecy is like predicting the future, you're like, well, I'm not predicting the future, so I'm done. This doesn't apply to me. But has anyone ever wanted something so bad that you start telling yourself that surely God also wants this for you? We all have. I really think God is telling me to dot, dot, dot. You know, I've been praying about it, and this is what I feel is right. Now, are all desires bad? No. There are good desires, there are spiritual desires, and there are desires of your heart that also line up with God. Okay? That's good. But when we decide that we are going to find a way to fulfill our dreams, and God just so happens to be a useful tool to convince others that our dreams need to be fulfilled, that is evil. When we get it into our head, like, oh, I'm going to do the thing I want to do. I'll find a way to do it. You know how? I'm going to tell people, I've been praying about it. God wants me to do this. Now, I hope that you're praying about it, and I hope that God does tell you that. But when we spiritualize our desires, it is, it is like being a false prophet. We have a dream. We have something. We have a delusion in our head. And we say, this is from God. We have all done that. And so that is part one of the false prophet. And I could leave it right there, or we could dig down on that for another week. But there's two other things that I really want to talk about that I think maybe even hit a little bit closer to home. So the second part of what we were talking about is this. You don't know what you're talking about. You are saying things with a certain degree of of, of assuredness or certainty that you should not have. The false prophets in the Old Testament, one of the famous examples is when uh, Jeremiah, in the book of Jeremiah, the God is going to send an invading foreign army to come and take everyone away. And Jeremiah receives that, and he's like, hey guys, uh, time's up to repent. We're going to get taken away. And you know what? And this is where we get the nice, pretty, like, I know the plans I have for you. 
After, that's after we come back from slavery. Like, but we're going to be going. We're all going. And there's all these false prophets around. They're like, no, 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 no. God told me that everything is going to be fine. And this is where you get like the peace, peace. But there is no peace. It's because there's false prophets saying, I know what's going to happen. Everything is going to be okay. And Jeremiah's like, everything is not going to be okay. So much so that when the invading army comes in, Jeremiah, they actually think like Jeremiah is on our side. And he's like, I'm not on your side. These are my people, but I'm on God's side and God sent you here. But the false prophets refused to trust God's plan, good or bad. So they would come up with their own plan. They were so certain about what they thought would happen that they say it and they say this is from God. I'm going to use this phrase a few times, okay, between now and the end of this this lesson. They projected a false future, and they lived as though it were true. Okay? I'm going to say that again. They projected a false future and lived as though it were true. And we do this too. We are way too certain about our good plans, and we're way too certain about our bad plans, And then we project that and we live as though that is true. And that might sound weird right now, but I swear we're going to break this down. Okay? So, point two, sub point A, whatever. Boasting. Boasting is something that maybe some of you struggle with, maybe some of you don't, and that's fine. James talks about boasting, and he says something that makes me calls me back to what uh, what the false prophet said. So this is what James says in verse uh, chapter four, verse thirteen. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. And all such boasting is evil. This idea of, oh, I'm certain about the future. And it looks good for me. And I'm going to make all these plans. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to get this. Carry on. Make money. And he's like, You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Don't be so certain that you can make these plans. And he calls that boasting. He actually calls it arrogant schemes. When we are so sure that the things, that our stuff is always going to go right, that is an arrogant scheme. And it's evil to to say, my life is going to be great. It's going to go just fine without God. And so what do we do? We go to school. We pick a major. We get a job. We find a spouse. We move to a new town for a better job. We have a beautiful family. We get our boss's job. We retire early. Or we run the company. Then we retire early. And then we take life easy. And in my mind, it's like, ah, let let my life just go that way, God. And to all of, like, the students, like, this is your life. You're You're trying to make things happen. So that life works out the way you want it to. You invest all your energy, all your hopes, all your dreams in this plan. 
And you don't see how fragile it is. How it can all fall apart just like that. Because it's built on nothing. We are a mist. Our our efforts, our skills, our talents, our abilities are mist. And they can be taken from us like that. This is actually a callback to Old Testament. Hosea, a prophet, he actually said, Israel, your love for God is like a mist. And then later he says, and God is going to treat you like a mist. You're going to be gone. And so, here's, here's what I'm going to say about boasting. I'm going to leave this up on the screen for a little bit. When we boast, we project a false future of honor and live as though it's true. We have this like great image of what's, gonna, what's waiting for us. Remember I told you about the, my ship is going to come in. Like, I have, this, I have this dream of the future and it's good for me. And I'm going to live like that's true. And we, you know, the power of positive thinking. And we just got to like speak our intentions into the universe and the bliss will like happen to us or whatever. And, and that's, that will work. Apart from God, though, it's, it has no foundation. You think you know what's going to happen, but you don't know what you're talking about. So when I was in high school, I was a horrible student. I was a horrible high school student. I loved learning so much, and yet I was failing all my classes my senior year. And I went to the counselor, and she's like, yeah, this does not look good. You're probably going to do, like, repeat your, your 12th grade year. I was like, no, I'm not. I am going to go to Eastern Michigan University and be a teacher. That's what I wanted to do, like, since I was the fourth grade. Like, go to college, be a teacher, and I was going to be a teacher. And she laughed at me. She was like, you are not going to Eastern Michigan University. They will not accept you at all. And I was like, oh, yes, they will. She was like, you need to go to Washtenaw Community College and get some courses and do your thing. I was like, I will not go to a lowly community college. I'm going to university. And uh, I boasted to my counselor in that minute. I was boasting about all the honor that was due me as a teacher, even though I was a horrible student. And, um, and so I worked really hard. And I broke my neck, and I lost like a week of sleep, and I turned in every single assignment, and I barely got my GPA up to like just above failing, so that if I then also like ace the ACT, I could get into EMU. And I did. I got into EMU, and I went, and I was like, see, I will fulfill my own vision for my future, and I will make it real. I can manifest this on my own strength. And then I failed every class my freshman year. And I don't know why they let me register for classes the second year. They should not have, because the second year I dropped out. And guess where I went? I went to the community college. (laughs) The community college was great, guys. I loved it. I actually ended up teaching at the community college years, years later. I love community college. But I was boasting in my arrogant schemes. I, 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 I projected this false future of honor on myself, and I lived as if that was going to be true, and I made it as true as I could until it all fell apart. You know, I've told you, uh, our, we had a business, Jen and I had a business, and you have to have a certain degree of confidence if you're going to open a business. 
Like when you're making the business plan, you have to kind of say, like, this is what is going to happen. Those, that's all, like, figments of your imagination. If you ever write a business plan, you can just make up the numbers however you want. But you're like, this is what's going to happen our first year, and this is what's going to happen our second year, and this is going to happen our third year. And you take it to a banker, and if you can, if you can convince him that that's going to happen, he'll give you money for a small business loan. And so we're like, this is what's going to happen. We're like, we're going to break even by year three. We're going to make profits by year five. And we're going to do all this stuff. And none of that happened. We just lost money, like hand over fist. We lost a lot of money. And when our business closed, it felt like the thing we loved so much turned into a mist. Just like, whew. Like the thing that you spent years, like, toiling and bleeding and sweating or crying over and praying about is now just gone. And the crazy thing is, we actually tried to do it the right way and we put everything in God's hands all along the way. We prayed about every decision. Like, God, if you don't want this, like, shut it down. Like, don't let us do this. And God was still opening doors and leading us through them. And if you remember my lesson on Joseph, I feel like that was the thing. Like, God was like, no, come through it. It's going to be horrible for you. But this is my plan. We prayed about every decision and begged to see God's plan in every step. And then it still became obvious that it had to end. It still felt like the world was completely ripped out from under us. And so, imagine how traumatic it would have been if we didn't have God in our lives. Like, maybe you're like, I have no idea. I can tell you. Jen can tell you. Like, I don't know if our finances definitely would not have made it. Our our marriage probably might not have made it if if we weren't close to God during that time. Without God in our lives, I can say with great certainty that my arrogant schemes would have brought me to ruin. You think you know what's going to happen but you don't know what you're talking about. And that is why when we boast, we can be like the false prophets. I got one last one for us, okay? This might hurt the hardest. Sorry, Pat. (laughs) Not just Pat, everybody. I want to talk about worry. Worry is the other side of the coin that boasting is. Boasting is heads, worry is tails. It's the same thing, looking at it from two different vantage points. Jesus, you know Jesus talks a lot about worry. And here's what Jesus says in Luke. I picked the Luke one on purpose. But he also says this in Matthew. In Luke 12, 22, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you can't do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Okay, first off, I am blown away that Jesus calls miraculously, magically adding time to your life, a very small thing. And then he makes sure to put you in your place. He's like, you can't do this very little thing. 
There are so many things that we worry about, guys. There are so many things where we get tied up in our brain and we think nothing is going to go my way in this situation. I'm going to be on the receiving end of all the shame and dishonor and pain and suffering. Food, clothing, money, status, success, relationships, health, and so much more. We worry about these things because we think we have some sort of control. We should be able to take that into our own hands and make it the way we want it to, but we know it's not going to go our way. And Jesus wants us to know that, one, you, we have no control. But two, it's very easy for him. And so, here's my definition. The flip side of, of, of boasting is worry. And when we worry, we project a false future of dishonor. And we live as though it's true. Boasting is where we think that the future is going to have honor for us. And we act like that's a certainty when we don't know if it's a certainty. And worry is when we think that the future has dishonor waiting for us. And we act like that's a certainty when we don't know. We know nothing about the future. We don't even know what will happen tomorrow. And yet we plan out and we worry weeks and months and years into the future. I have to remind myself of this all the time when I have conversations with people. And I hope that this like resonates with all of us. Sometimes we have to have tough talks with people. And we worry about how that talk is going to go. And we start telling ourselves, oh, I know how it's going to go. And we, we, we like role play it. We, we like run through it. This is what they're going to say. This is... And then we start to think it's going to go really bad for us. We assume it's going to go horribly. We imagine all the ways that they're going to yell at us. We project a false future of dishonor. And we live as though it's true. And it feels true. This is the craziest thing about worry. Is that when you are overcome with worry about something that's going to happen in the future, you feel as if that thing is happening right now. It's not happening right now, but your body is telling you it is. And so your chemistry is all messed up and you're breathing and your heart rate and you're like sweating and you're just like driving to work, but you're thinking about this, this conversation or this thing that's going to happen. If that, you want to ask your boss for a raise and you're imagining all the ways he's going to tell you you're a stupid, horrible employee and you're worried. So then what happens? You don't ask him for the raise. Maybe you want to confess some sin and you really, you're like, I need to get this off my chest, but I know how, how it's going to go. They're going to yell at me. They're going to call me horrible and bad. And so what happens? You don't confess sin. You project a false future of dishonor and then you live as though it's true. We avoid people. We, we run away. We hide from people. So I remember um, Tom Newley, who was my minister in Ann Arbor. Uh, I love him to death. One time, he was, told me, he asked for my help. How are we doing on time? Okay. We, he asked for my help with like the church website or something. He's like, hey, bro, can you do this and this and this and this? And I'm like, yeah, sure. But then I didn't. I like got busy and I didn't do the thing he wanted me to do. 
But then I start thinking, like, oh, Tom's calling, and I didn't do the thing he wanted me to do. So I don't answer the phone. And then he texts me, hey, bro, can we talk about the thing? And I'm like, I didn't do the thing. So I don't reply to the text. And he calls me. Hey, bro, let's just go. Leaves a voicemail. I'm, I'm trying to get a hold of you. I'm like, I'm not going to call back. How, how long can I run from my minister in this, like, tiny little church? <laughs> I was scared of what he was going to say, so I avoided him. And when he finally chased me down, he rebuked me. But he didn't rebuke me for the church website. He rebuked me for the breakdown in our relationship. That I would run away from him over a church website. And guys, I'm going to be totally honest. Some, some of us have been running from each other. Some of you have run away from me. Some of you have been hiding from each other. And it's because you have told yourself stories that are not true. You are lying to yourself. You're allowing the devil to lie to you about what other people are going to say. And it's not true. You have withdrawn fellowship about fantasies, delusions, and lies. And what happens is you start to tell yourself stories over and over and over again in your brain. And your body does all the things as if, as if I were there yelling at you. We'll use this example. And it makes you scared and so you don't do it. Guys, I've never yelled at any of you. (laughs) You start to tell stories and you push people away. And it's the false prophecy of worry. And it can destroy God's family now just the way it destroyed God's family in the Old Testament. And so you think you know what's going to happen, but you don't know what you're talking about. And so, we're going to wrap this up. Here are the the character traits of our modern-day false prophets. We spiritualize our desires. We want to do something, and so we say, God wants me to do this. And we'll We'll jump through all kinds of mental loops and we'll figure out ways and we'll be deceitful, we'll be manipulative, we'll, we'll figure out ways to get what we want even if we have to like, use God as a tool. We boast where we think the future is going to be so good to me and I'm going to live like it's going to be good to me even though I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And we give in to worries where we think the future is going to be bad for me so I'm going to try to run from it. But we don't know. And so... I hope we've been able to look at the false prophets and not immediately distance ourselves from them. I hope when you look at this list, you go, yeah, that's in me. I can see it. It's obvious. And we can, we can be honest with other people. We have some of their character traits in us. And it doesn't help if we ignore it. It's better to be humble and admit it. So, all right, what do we do about this? Ready? What's, what's our practicals, Ben? One, the same thing we've been saying this whole series— Read your Bible and try to identify with the villain so that you can learn the lessons of the villain. Don't read the Bible and only say, I'm the hero and I'm good and I'm always right. That's practical advice for this whole series, okay? Two, moving forward, recognize when you do this. Recognize like, oh man, I really want this and I'm tempted to say, God must want this for me too. Don't bring God's name into something that's really just all you. And three, I am begging you, as I've said almost every sermon for the last two years, please talk to people. The best thing you can do is hear something in here and talk to someone about it out there. You've got to be humble. 
You've got to say, you know what? We were talking about being like a false prophet. Here's something that I see in me. What do you see? And they go, oh man, thank you for being humble and open. Here's something I see, but what do you see in me? You've got to be humble and talk about the ways that you are like the bad guy. You can't just talk about the way that everyone else is the bad guy, or I'm the bad guy. Like, how are you the bad guy? And then finally, we've been doing this series to, to demonstrate what it looks like to live in submission to the Word of God. We do not look through the Scriptures for ways to prove that we're right about stuff. We search the Scriptures to find things that cut us open, lay us bare, destroy us, and then let the Holy Spirit put us back together and other, and other spiritual people in our lives. We search the Scriptures to find things that challenge us. And if you're new or you're visiting, we'd like to invite you to study the Bible and see how the Word of God can change your life too. Amen? Guys, that is all I have for you. And at this time, I've asked Steve Mask to do our communion. Come on up, Steve.